0: Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that doors are now open for our Signature Accelerator program. We are doing a major deal for this promo period where you get Critical Care Academy's CCRN review course absolutely for free as a bonus if you join us before May 4th. Our Signature program is special because it's a one-time investment for lifetime access. There are no recurring fees. We want you to start this process early. So if you're in nursing school or if you are just starting the school search process, this is absolutely perfect for you. We walk you through picking schools, writing your resume, making sure you have all those boosters to make you stand out. We've got over 20 hours of video lessons along with an entire downloads vault of swipe files and templates. And of course, over 50% of the program is interview prep. We have five on-demand mock interviews, and then, of course, a huge part of this is every month we have office hours where you can bring your questions and get answers. We have essay office hours with our expert developmental editor, Dr. Diane Cady. We have group mock interview practice labs, ad hoc guest speakers like SRNAs and other faculty. It really is a comprehensive program, and once you are in, you are in for life. You can head to the crnaclub.com to check it out. And again, the CCRN review course as a bonus, that ends on May 4th. So if you are on the fence, shoot me a DM at the CRNA club. I am hanging out there. But otherwise, let's jump into today's episode. Hi, Vincent. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to bring you on You have a lot going on and you are applying to CRNA school and you are an ICU nurse and you've had such a journey and I've really enjoyed getting to know you over the past couple of months. So I wanted to bring you on the podcast today to sort of share with us your story and that transition, you know, more about that transition period, about what it's like to work in the ICU as a new grad, and you can even touch on how you got your first job and kind of where you are now. But a couple of episodes ago, we spoke with a nursing student who gave, who's graduating and who gave us some really good insight, insight about how to find new grad jobs straight into the ICU in today's market. So it's kind of full circle having you on today to talk about, okay, now once you're in the ICU, how are we going to make the most of that time? And what are you going to do during that first year as a new grad? So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just kind of start us off and let us know a bit about your nursing career and how you ended up where you are.
1: Yeah, so my name is Vincent, and I'm currently a pediatric CVIC nurse. And I actually graduated nursing school in the summer of 2021. So I'm a fairly new nurse. I've been a nurse over a year now. So it's been a crazy roller coaster. that's just like so much to learn and I'm still learning every single day. And funny story, how I ended up in the ICU, I am a very ambitious go-getter. You know this, I like, if I set my mind to something, I try to make it happen. And what I did was make a LinkedIn account when I was in my last semester of nursing school. And I reached out to every single ICU nurse manager in my area to make sure that I like had like my name out there and I wanted them to know that I was serious about starting as a new grad. At that time, the like we were still in the middle of the pandemic. So it was definitely very hard to get a ICU new grad position, but I tried my best. I made sure that I got my ACLS certification and I was putting my name out there when I was doing my critical care rotations. So that's how I ended up in the ICU um, as a new grad. Wow.
0: That's incredible. What like that determination that you talk about, that is not something that everybody is willing to do, like to be a little extra and be like, okay, I'm gonna like creep on these nurse managers and these like recruiters and get my name out there. Because honestly, you have to do that. And even when you are applying to CRNA school, it's like yes, figure out who the program directors and the faculty members are at the programs that you like, see what research they did, figure out if they're speaking at any presentations, like be a little creepy, you know, and and try to learn more so you can figure out more about them. So I'm proud of you. That's great. That is exactly what I would, would have done too. So did you find that when you contacted these nurse managers on LinkedIn, did you find that they were pretty receptive? Like they weren't like, oh my God, who is this person? But they were like, oh, cool. Yeah. Let me help you out.
1: Yes, they were very receptive and they like nurse managers, they love this. They love to see passionate individuals, especially new grads who want to go into this setting, especially in the ICU. A lot of people don't understand how difficult this unit can be. And so if you show that you're interested and you show that you've done the work and you know what you're getting yourself into, it's like really honorable and respectful and they really do like to see ambitious people who are willing to start in the ICU. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So did, so you started off, that was your pediatric ICU was, was your, is your first job. This is where you've been. For some reason I thought you like switched units, but this is where you always have been.
1: So yes, you're, you're correct. I actually started in the adult medical ICU at that time. I, I was just, like I had a hard time going straight into the pediatric ICU. It like mm-hmm. especially with COVID, pediatrics wasn't really hiring. So I just tried my best, especially with CRNA in mind. I wanted to start in the ICU. I was willing to go into any ICU that would accept me as a new grad, and so that's what I ended up doing. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think actually that combination of adult experience and pediatrics or neonatal, I think having both actually makes you a really strong candidate. I think the fact that maybe you couldn't get into pediatric ICU right off the bat was a huge blessing in disguise because CRNA programs, we want to see that adult ICU experience for you to at least have that under your belt and the good thing about working in the pediatric or neonatal ICU is you're used to doing a lot of weight-based calculations. And that can be really tricky to do and wrap your head around if you only work with an adult population, is having to learn you know, a new set of vital signs for every like age range and the sizes of the ET tubes and what's normal for them, all the developmental milestones that go along with pediatrics. And especially seeing that sort of convoluted with these sick kids, right? It's different when, when they have medical problems. So I think that's really great that you have that well-rounded experience. And I think you'll find during interviews and stuff, you can really use that to your advantage and say, you know, you, if you wanted to be a pediatric, you know, CRNA and really focus on peds in the future, you have that foundation. And that's something really passionate about. So I think that's really wonderful. So yeah. Thanks for sharing your, your story with that. So you always knew that you wanted to go into the ICU. You got into the ICU. And how was your experience as a new graduate when you first started? Was it a total shock, kind of, you know, that's your first experience, like, oh, this is what a nurse does. And I know for me, that's kind of how I felt, like, in nursing school, you don't, I mean, you know, because you do, like, an extern, you do your clinicals and, like, your externship, but, like, when you get your first job, it's a lot of, it almost feels like, at least for me, it was a lot of on-the-job training. And then I was like, oh, this is like what nursing is and managing your day and doing all your assessments and meds and rounds. What was your experience like starting as a new graduate and kind of what was your orientation? What did that look like?
1: Yeah. So being a new grad in the ICU was very challenging, I would say. Like I am really open to being vulnerable when it comes to starting out in this environment just because it's something that we don't really talk about it's really glorified on social media that wow we're, we're like a new grad in the icu it's amazing but it's like physically emotionally and um like mentally taxing especially as a new grad and what i really experienced when i first started was this transitional shock and the steep learning curve and like you said Nursing school barely scratches the surface of like what you do as a nurse. And on top of that, you're expected to perform at a very high level because there's so much expected of ICU nurses. You're taking care of very sick patients on life support, C R T, ECMO. So people take you seriously and they expect a lot of it, a lot out of you. Even if you're a new grad, you're still expected to have these critical thinking skills, assessment skills already. And so that was challenging. And another thing that I would say is I'm a perfectionist. I'm really type A and I'm very hard on myself. And that's something that I'm still learning to let go in the ICU. And it's a good trait to have. But then again, it really hinders you from growing because all you're doing is telling yourself all these negative self-talks. Instead of like, oh, like, let's not be so hard on yourself and understand that you're learning. This is a time where you're learning and really absorbing everything. Why are you being hard on yourself and putting yourself down? I think that's um, something that I experienced throughout my orientation. As far as orientation, I was luckily lucky enough to have had a nurse residency program. And so I had a lot of support from Educators throughout the whole year, but my actual orientation was 16 weeks, which I thought was enough time to really get my bearings in nursing and understand how to be an ICU nurse because you're trying to learn how to be a nurse, trying to juggle time management and learning how to communicate and use your voice. On top of that, you have very sick patients on ventilators, vasoactive drips, and like all these, like medications so that was very difficult to learn but i luckily got through that steep learning curve and i'm like proud of myself for that
0: absolutely and that's a that's a huge thing that i think for people who are seasoned nurses who are, or who have been around in the icu for years it's hard to remember what that transition period was like not only being in the icu but being a new graduate nurse there's a lot yeah mentally that goes on with it and just You know, for some people, that's like their first professional job, right? Like if you go into nursing school, like, you know, straight out of like, that's your first college experience, right? So people can still be pretty young. I was 20 when I started my first nursing job. I turned 21, I think the year that I was there. Yeah. And it can just be a lot for somebody who is maybe younger like you and or younger like me I was it's just it can be really heavy and really stressful so I'm yeah I'm proud of you for getting through that that's a huge thing (laughs) to be proud of so did you feel so 16 weeks was your orientation you had classroom time as well like did you have class once a month or once a week or was it just 16 weeks with a preceptor who kind of slowly like backed away
1: so yes when I was So the first 15 weeks, you also have weekly sim labs. And honestly, I would say that like residency programs, some of them aren't geared towards ICU specifically. So I just felt really lost because I had a lot of simulations that were like more med search based. But as you know, you think differently in the ICU. So I was like overthinking everything in these sims. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we mainly had weekly sims and class time. And then on top of that, I had three 12-hour shifts throughout my orientation. And then after the 16 weeks, we just did once a month like classes.
0: Okay, cool. And did you have the opportunity to get trained on like CRRT and stuff during that orientation? Or was more of the advanced stuff kind of after your orientation, once you kind of got your bearings, you know, maybe six months later, they started introducing that to you? Or was it kind of okay, you're going to be in the ICU, you're going to get these kind of patients, let's like start training you right away.
1: So yeah, my unit, they, I've seen this like a lot of times, especially during orientations when you grads, they like to put you with the sickest patients throughout your whole orientation. So you get used to critical thinking and used to CRT and life support measures. And so I honestly felt like, Yes, that was amazing. I love critical patients. I honestly do better with one-on-one and very sick patients because I get super hyper-focused and I feel like I can advocate mm-hmm. a lot better. But then what like was a disadvantage was when I got off of orientation, they gave you the less sick patients and the triples. And so that was really difficult for me to transition from hard patients to balancing lower acuity patients just because it's a different mindset if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so yeah that was like what i experienced but then as i like they honestly as a new grad i they walked me up in acuity very quickly like within two months after orientation i remember two weeks after orientation i had the sickest patient on the unit because they couldn't triple me right away and It was terrifying. I I just like, I don't think I'm ready for this. And something that I wish I did early on was advocate for myself and like put my foot down. Hey, I'm not ready for this high acuity. I think it's important for new grads to like know that it's okay if you're not ready. It doesn't mean you're not capable. And so that was actually my first patient death after orientation, I had multiple people dying on me after orientation. So that was something that was difficult for me, especially in the adult medical ICU as a new grad. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that is, that's a very important lesson to learn. And I think it's really hard as a new graduate as well, because you're, you don't know that necessarily, you don't necessarily have that experience and that scale to look back on to in the moment, know that maybe you might be a little bit over your head because you are just probably wanting to, you know, prove yourself in a sense, you're probably wanting to make people happy. Right. And you probably want to embrace the challenge too, and like prove to yourself that you can do it. So sometimes we can ignore those little warning signs. And sometimes it's, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I think the important thing is that, yeah, you recognize that about yourself, like, okay, at that moment, I didn't quite feel ready. You know, next time, maybe I'll, I'll bring it up and say something. And that, and that's the same thing, even, you know, throughout your nursing career, and even in CRNA school, sometimes you don't feel confident in doing something or confident in, you know, speaking up. But I think the important lesson to learn early is it's always better to ask for help and always better to just be transparent and over communicate than to try to like fake your way or like hide through something. Because in CRNA school, your preceptors can kind of see through that. And I think as good as we think we are at like hiding and like displaying confidence, like it's like people know, they know that like, no, you're not going to do that. So I think that's a really important lesson to learn as a new grad is to, yeah, be willing to use your voice and just say, Hey, I, you know, I'd love to take this patient, but can you, like, can there be somebody who's able to be a resource for me for, you know, the first six hours? Like I, I just, I'm not sure, like I, I want to do it, but like, I just, I think I might need some help. So yeah, I think the you especially is a hard place to be. That is where I started out as a new grad and I got very quickly wanted to leave the, the medical ICU because of the fact that most people don't leave or if they do leave it's you know 3 months later and just people don't get better often and the NICU that I worked in was also a lung transplant unit. And we had a lot of patients with cystic fibrosis who were like my age. They were young kids, right? Waiting for lungs. And it was just so difficult to take care of somebody who was essentially my peer and watch them have so much anxiety about around being able to breathe and just, you know, not getting lungs or just constantly being in and out of the hospital. And being like a 21 year old, I wasn't, I didn't have those coping mechanisms that I do now or I wasn't able to compartmentalize it as well as I think some of the other senior nurses were able to. I was like and I think it's personality too, like I was coming home and just being like, oh my gosh, like I just had this horrifying day and I didn't know how to cope. And that is what kind of prompted me to get out of the ICU and look for what was next. I think probably I could have easily like maybe moved to L and D and then maybe today I would have been like a happy L and D nurse or something like that. But a lot of my colleagues were going to CRNA school and applying, and I was like, "What is a CRNA?" So I looked into that and decided that was the route right I wanted to go. But that you know, the ICU is a very hard place to be, and yeah, being very self-aware, having high emotional intelligence, and just being very aware of your own like health in that is really important too. And I can I cannot imagine what it was like to be a new graduate ICU nurse during the pandemic, like. Uh, you know, that is just a whole other thing. So I give I give you a lot of credit for that because you're not only dealing with staffing shortages, managers who are feeling pressure from higher ups in the hospital, you know, shortages of things. You have family members that are just completely stressed, right? And then not to mention, yeah, just a lot more politics in the hospital setting. It's There's a lot more that goes into it nowadays than it was, you know, five, six years ago where you go to work, take care of your patients. Now it's like, you've got all this other noise that you're having to filter through mm-hmm. and that can be really like bogging you down. That can be really heavy. So yeah, it's, I I'm sure your, you know, environment and your, happiness level has probably changed quite a bit now that you've moved to the pediatric or, or maybe not, maybe, yes. maybe it's, diff- it maybe has. it's, I don't know. You talk, <laughs> let, Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like, how has that change been like, yeah, now that you're back in the pediatric ICU?
1: So like you brought up a lot of great points, just like I, like I, during that time when I was a new grad, I was really stubborn and I yeah, like, there were so many shortage, sh- shortages and a lot of things going on, and that was really stressful on me, and that's why I it was hard to say no to higher acuity, and it just, keep, it just like, kept going, and they're like, no, you're okay, you're very smart, like, keep going. But eventually, that really got to my mental health, and I was also, my goal was to also get the CCRN, and I got it in eight months, so... I worked like five, six days a week after orientation, and I was like, no, I need to prove to myself I can do this and I can take care of sick patients. It was just a lot of like self-sabotage that I did during the adult medical ICU period of my life, and I remember that was like my coping mechanism. I was like, I, I just, it was really hard for me to deal with my emotions because no one really taught me about how to cope and how to deal with these patients passing away. It's just like, like, it's honestly like when I think back, even to this day, as a pediatric ICU nurse, it's like a lot of what we see is very traumatic. It's honestly, it's not normal to see this every single day, to see people ventilated, to see people coding. It's a lot to take. And in nursing, you're kind of like, supposed to slip it under the rug and move on and you're like the superhero and you need you're you're strong but at the end of the day we're human as well and so that's when like towards the end of my career in adult ICU I was like like what are you doing Vincent it's just like really making you happy although CRNA was like I want to be a CRNA so how can I change my career path, but still go to CRNA school. And so I did a lot of self-reflection during that time. And I realized my passion has always been the PICU or PHCVICU. I wanted to see better outcomes and I love pediatrics a lot more. I just didn't affect the culture of my original unit and I think that's okay. I think a lot of new grads are like, we have to stay in this unit because it's all we know and there's no opportunities to go somewhere else. But that's the beauty about nursing. There's always room to grow and switch specialties if you aren't like, if you're feeling stuck in one environment. So that's why I did. And to answer your question, sorry, I get off of on tangents because there's that just a good. lot it's in good. my I like brain it. to say.
0: I like it. Keep going.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so... I always knew I wanted to go into the unit that I, I'm currently in now. I was in this unit back in nursing school and I just knew. I just had this instinct. And so I, apply, I I immediately applied and got accepted and transferred within like a week period. And I felt like that was like a sign from like the, the universe or something. But I belong there. And currently, I just I feel so happy. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but I actually go into work and I'm like, yes, I get to save lives. I get to be part of the open heart team. And I'm surrounded by so many uplifting people right now. And I just, I just never got that at my old unit. It was, it's just weird. Everyone's like, Vincent, you're amazing. Like, you're, you're doing so great. And it's like, wow, this is what support feels like. This is what, true teamwork feels like and I, I couldn't be more grateful right now and I it's like a huge shift and in pediatrics a lot of people are more happy and for me I'm more like very positive very bright like my coworkers workers laughed at me because I go into work every morning at 7 a.m and I'm like good morning like it's another day I'm like smiling but that's just me and that's something that <laughs> that's that's something that started fading quickly when I was in my old unit. I started getting jaded. I saw death more. I I just don't want to be callous by death. I want to make it a beautiful thing. I want to be there during the most vulnerable times and make it uplifting, not sad. And I got put down for being too happy. And so that's something that's different now. I am like, like, uplifted for being me and being positive if that makes any sense so it's like a whole shift and like so different
0: <laughs> yeah and that is something that is going to be so individualized for every person right we all know those people who are just like yeah more like excited and happy and energetic like people who are your personality types and then there are other people who are just like more of the chill, laid back, like nothing bothers them. That like they probably don't take a lot of things home with them. They're just like here to do their job, right? And there are people who are probably like rough and callous, and you know, rough around the edges. But for some reason, those people who are just like so rough around the edges seem to be like the patients love them the most, and the patients' families love them most. They have like this soft, tender inside. We had this nurse that I worked with in the BQ and she was like. <clears throat> she was like this badass, like uh, smoked all the time. She was just like so rough. But she was like, when it came to the patients, she was like, we need to get them new socks. Like we need to do a foot rub and like do put lotion on their leg. Like she was just, it was such a juxtaposition and like the family members loved her, but she'd be like smoking out in the corner. Like (laughs) I was always like scared of her, but I'm like, oh, but she has like this, the kindest soul on the inside. But we all have those you know, like that different personality and like how things affect you and affect me and differently. And to realize that about yourself early on in your career is so invaluable before you've been working there for five years and you're completely burnt out on nursing. You're just like, I'm done. Or you feel like it's too late and you don't want to make a change. And then you just, yeah, you're unhappy there. So if you have that voice inside of you, take a closer listen and just know that people have changed nursing careers, you know, 10 times in their like nursing lifetime. I'm using air quotes. So it's, it's huge that you were able to transition. And I think it's just a matter of trying things like worst case scenario. I have a friend when I actually, from when I used to live in LA and, and work at UCLA, she, should I say like, what's the worst case out? like worst case scenario, you learn something. And that has just stuck with me throughout the years. Cause I'm like, you know what, what is the worst case? Like the worst case is I learned something. So I always try to remind myself of that when I'm ready to like make a transition or try something new. It's like, well, you got to try, you got to give it a go. So it's, but I'm glad, I'm so happy that you are in a unit now that you love and feel like really just matches your personality and let's, lets your inner Vincent shine. I love that. So we talked a little bit yeah, about kind of the mental health challenges and some, some things that, yeah, that might be difficult for new grads. Is there anything else that, like any advice or anything that you would tell somebody that might be wanting to start as a new graduate in the ICU or just, you know, anything that maybe you struggled with in addition to sort of that like mental health capacity and that, you know, sort of production pressure almost that you feel would be helpful for somebody to hear about going, you know, into the ICU as a new graduate.
1: Yeah. I, I honestly have mentored a lot of people that I like, I love mentoring. That's like something I love to do. And I know that you love to do as well. And I respect that. But like something for new grads who want to start an ICU, I would say, go for it. Don't let fear like stop you. And this is what I've seen with other individuals that I've helped. I'm like, what is like stopping you from going to the ICU? And it's like fear. And it's like, I'm not good enough, but you never know. And I think that it's important to realize that you know more than you give yourself credit for and that you are very capable and smart enough. You made it this far. And so why not go for something that you're passionate about? And so that's like something that I emphasize to everyone that asked me, should I be an ICU nurse? And another thing that I, I struggled with as a new grad was imposter syndrome. And also being a perfectionist. So imposter syndrome is just feeling that you're not supposed to be there, that you're not skilled enough or smart enough. But these things take time. All these ICU nurses before you did not just like magically appeared and were perfect over like overnight. This doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot, long time and a lot of experience to be a well-rounded and confident ICU nurse. And even to this day, I wouldn't say that I'm very comfortable. I don't think you ever get comfortable in the ICU. You definitely, I've like gained more confidence. I'm confident in my skills and the fact that I know what to do when things are crashing, but I never get comfortable because you never know what's gonna go on. It's You always have to anticipate all these signs of deterioration. And maybe I'm like a little crazy, I'm very paranoid in, like, when I go into my shift, I'm like, what could happen? Like, what if their fluid balance is off or they're on this drip? Like, this could, like, cause arrhythmia or I need to monitor for, like, this outcome. And so I'm always going through, like, A, B, C, D, plan A, B, C, D. and So it's, like, really crazy. I'm really cuckoo, by the way, but I think that... like just breathing and like realizing that it's going to be okay and that things take time to really develop and that you will be that amazing ICU nurse that people go to and so just be patient with yourself and give yourself some grace I think that's very important to know as a new grad and also Mm -hmm. just yeah just slow down stop being a perfectionist things aren't perfect in the ICU so you shouldn't expect yourself to be perfect as well because no one is
0: -hmm. And I think it totally makes sense. And I think like over the past, you know, couple of years, I think this has changed. But you know, for a long time there's this culture in nursing, like nobody makes mistakes. You make a medication error and you're done. Like that's the worst thing ever. So there there have been multiple initiatives, like even in the hospital I work now, like where I worked before, how do we increase the culture on a unit to make it a safe space for people to feel like they can come forward and say, I made this mistake. I did this or this happened and just be more forthcoming with it instead of feeling so much shame and embarrassment. And like you were going to lose your job because if we're all honest with ourselves, we've all made errors. We've all done things that we regret. We've all spaced out for a second and we're like, wait, what did I just like, what did I just do? And you're like double checking what you just did. Right. And it's just, it happens. And what separates people is what is your response? Are you trying to hide it? Are you trying to brush it under the rug? Or are you like, shoot, I did this. Like, what can I do to make this right? First of all, what can I do to face the repercussions of this? Like whatever I did, what's going to happen? What, what can I do to make this better? And then second of all, what can I do to, you know, prevent this from happening? Again, I've had multiple things in my career where Things have happened, whether in my control or out of my control or things that I've done, not giving the right medication at the right time and being like, oh, was not supposed to give that, you know, just the other day I was in a case and the doc was like, I swear he said two grams of Cefazolin. I swear. So I get the two grams of Cefazolin or Ansef mixing it up. And he looks at me and he goes, ceftriaxone, And I was like, no. Ceftriaxone, cefazolin ceftriaxone, and like I easily was about to just give him. I mean, it's not the end of the world. It's like antibiotics, not a, that big of a deal. But I mean, this was like just the other day, and I was like, oh yes, okay, ceftriaxone. Is that what you said? I swore you said it. It, it. Stuff like that happens all the time. So yeah, just knowing that, yeah, not trying to hide it and just come coming back and being honest, like about that, and especially that is such a skill to just practice because in CRNA school as an SRNA you're going to be making mistakes all the time. So it's just like, just to be comfortable looking at your preceptor and being like, I just gave two CCs of phenylephrine and I meant to get Bethedrine. It's That's not that big a deal, but just even just being honest because they know. So we all make mistakes and, and just learning that early, I think, especially as a new graduate is so important. And then, and that also plays into this idea of finding a unit that's right for you, right? If you are working in a unit that is very supportive and will support its new grads well, then that is something that the culture won't be so toxic in the sense that like, like Sachi made this mistake. She's a horrible person, right? It's like, no, we have new grads on the unit. We expect like this is part of it. So we're choosing a unit that has a new grad orientation program like you did, that is very accustomed to supporting its nurses in that transition period is really big. It's a huge red flag for people to be applying to these new grad programs where their orientation is very short or they're clearly desperate for staff, or they're just like, yeah, 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 we'll get you oriented. Don't worry. Like not a lot of details. I think people kind of underestimate that it takes a lot of support and energy emotionally and physically to become a nurse and let alone an ICU nurse. So Sometimes people are so fixated on going to CRNA school that they kind of think, oh, the orientation will be no big deal. But then when they're in it, they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm drowning. So just really taking a step back and being like, you know what, I've heard from people that I feel like the orientation needs to be like a formal thing. So let me listen and trust these people who have gone before me and try to find a hospital that really supports its new grad nurses. So I yeah, I, I definitely feel like giving yourself some grace, though, and just knowing that you're not the first person to feel like this. You're not the last person to feel like this. It's going to be okay. Everybody's on their own individualized timeline. The only person putting pressure on you is yourself. So it's good to have that self-awareness, which it sounds like you you really do. So that's really great. So how long do you feel like it took you to, I know you don't really, we don't ever get comfortable, but how long did it take you when you're in the pediatric pediatric ICU to feel confident enough to where you're like, okay, I feel like I'm now in this role where I want to start taking on more leadership activities. I'm not just trying to survive. I've, I feel oriented. I, I'm ready to start teaching people, precepting people, or, you know, kind of taking that next step in your own personal development.
1: So yeah, I transferred to the PHC in July. So it's been like about six months. And so I started feeling more like, Confident and com- like more comfortable, not feeling so afraid towards like my like month five, be- just because I had my background in adult ICU, I was it really helped me during orientation. I had experience with ventilators, intubation, and all those critical care things. I just had to learn how to care for kids, and they're so different. My learning curve was the dosage and the dosing weights, and then learning all these developmental milestones that. Um, you have to be aware of with all these kids and then also learning about open heart surgery that was new for me as well and so recently I've been orienting to open hearts which is like my dream and really really very fun so I feel like that like that new challenge for me at work now it's I'm back to like oh I, I still am not comfortable yet I still need more time but overall I, I did start getting comfortable at five months. I started taking care of sicker patients and I felt confident in myself in terms of I knew how to advocate for my patients. I know who who to go to. I may not have all the answers, but if there's something wrong, I just go and tell the provider. I'm like, okay, this is like weird. I just do you mind like like teaching me about like like the process and the pathophysiology? about what's like going on and like why we're we giving these meds and so I have a lot of questions. I I think that's important. It's always to have questions. No matter how experienced you are, there's gonna be things that you don't know. And knowing who to ask, knowing when to advocate is very safe and will get you far in the
0: ICU. Right. And I think always one of the best essays I've read was from an applicant who really dove into this concept of, of an inquisitive mind. And she expressed that she was constantly asking why, why this medication, why this intervention? And that is always something that we do as CRNAs as well. Why are we given this drug? Why this one over that one? You're constantly trying to figure out, does this work? Does that work? Which one worked better? And there's more freedom as a CRNA to be the one making those choices. When we're in the ICU, we're typically, you know, listening to what the team wants, what the attending, what decision they're making. But that is a really good opportunity for you to be like, okay, well, why did you order Lasix instead of a fluid bolus? Last time we gave a fluid bolus, what, you know, or or why are we giving albumin instead of LR, you know? So always asking why is such an important that you brought up and having that inquisitive mind and the thing about kids is that they compensate so well until they don't and then they fall off a cliff right they go downhill so fast that's one of the things about pediatrics is that yeah they're like good 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 and then they're just not whereas with adults it's more of like a slow decline you can kind of see it coming and with pediatrics it's very difficult because these are kids, you know, oftentimes they have congenital heart problems, and th- that's what you're correcting in the CVI, you know, and the CBOR. Um, And it's a lot of high stress for the parents, right? Even though maybe their child has had health problems since birth, it's still extremely nerve-wracking. So that communication with parents is really important, and that's a skill that is, I'm sure you're honing as well, because you're kind of having to bridge that gap sometimes between what the surgeon or what the attending is saying and you know sometimes parents are like okay okay but then later you know 20 minutes later they have questions because they're just processing everything so you're in this unique position where you're having to kind of translate almost or kind of reiterate or explain a little bit more in depth about why you're doing this certain thing or what exactly is going on why we're not extubating today why we're going to try tomorrow so I think in the pediatric ICU and even in the neonatal ICU, it's such a delicate world because you're dealing with these like kids and babies and it's, it's, it's really hard. So I give you a lot of, a lot of credit there, but I actually wanted to bring up something that you said that we talked about a couple of minutes ago when you were talking about how you come into your work day and you're like, A, B, C, D, what can go wrong? You're already thinking five steps ahead, right? And that is a really important milestone and sort of muscle to keep exercising, because that is showing that you're not just reactive, you're proactive. And as a CRNA, that is the heart, that is such a huge thing behind, and if if anybody listening is taking notes for their interview, write this down, because that is such a huge thing about about what it is like walking into the OR, walking into a patient's room, walking into a surgical procedure. Not only are you prepared, like, yeah, your airway, right? If like with those things, but just throughout mm. the whole procedure, you're having to anticipate, okay, what happens if the patient's IV gets lost, the arms are tucked, and the IV infiltrates, what's my plan? Okay, the bed is turned you know, 180 degrees, the airway's at the other end of the room, the patient gets extubated because the resident leans on circuit. And now what happens? You are having to think that far in advance and have a plan, A, B, C, D, E. And so the fact that you're doing that in the ICU is already a clear sign, you know, that you are ready to obviously apply, but it's just not everybody has that. And I've worked with SRNAs who I come into the room, we're set up for a general case and I'm like, or we're set up for like a sedation case, for example, right? We don't need to do a general anesthetic, they don't need an ET tube, we just do sedation. But anytime you do sedation, there is always a chance that you're gonna to need to convert to a general anesthetic, whether that's an ET tube or an LMA, right? I remember one time I was like, okay, we're doing sedation, Where's your ET ETT? Where's your blade? Where's your LMA? What are you going to do? I'm not like, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be down the hallway giving you some space. What if the surgeon starts to work and says, oh, we need to convert to a general? What's your plan? Right? And it's all about being prepared and having those backup plans in place. So when you're in the ICU, it's always about thinking two steps ahead what if this patient needs blood? Do we have a typing cross? How many units? How long is it going to take to get platelets to this hospital if you don't have platelets in-house? Like where I work, we don't have platelets in-house. We have to call. It's like bring them in a cab from the blood bank, right? So it's always like, if we're doing a bigger case, we have to let the surgeon know, hey, we don't have platelets in-house. We got to call and get them here. Or if we're going to need FFP, we have to start thawing that. It's not going to be available immediately. So as you're in the, when you're in the ICU, just continuing to so, yeah, take it two steps down the line. Well, what is going to happen if this happens and this happen, happens and it's a full mood and then this third thing happens? So, that is a really important point that you brought up. So, what are your favorite types of like pediatric patients to take care of? Like, what types of things do you like to see or like what pediatric patient would you be like, oh, I want that assignment?
1: So, because of like my unit is so specialized, I mainly like. CV kids, they're just different. They 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 act and react differently compared to a just a regular pick you kiddo. And what I mean by that is they have just congenital heart defects and they have shunting of blood and all these conditions that like make them decompensate even faster. There's a lot of protocols set in place and we're more aware about what's going on with our kiddos. And so that's like. Typically, so to answer your question, though, I really like post-open heart kiddos, taking care of that one-on-one and making sure that hemodynamically stable. And that's one thing I love about the ICU is hemodynamics. I think it's so fascinating that I have I have like everything I need to maintain someone hemodynamically, and I just think it's cool that not that everyone gets to do every single day. So that's my favorite part. I'm like, whoa, CVP, it's like low, they need fluid. Like, it's just like Mm -hmm. thinking through, okay, these are the numbers. What do I need to do? What do I need to bring up to the provider? I think that's like, it's just fun. And like we said earlier, asking why, even though we follow orders as ICU nurses, it's, it's always important to know why you're doing things. And also suggestions. I started like, this is where I'm getting more comfortable. I'm getting more comfortable with suggesting things. Oh, let's try this, let's try that. Because I wanna like, show that I know what I'm talking about and that, that I am smart enough to handle this patient. And I think, like for me, like I've been asking doctors about like stuff that are like, are over my like that are over our heads as nurses, ICU nurses, like static and dynamic compliance. I just wanna know the mechanism of action also like what to really look for, especially on the ventilator, if they're peaking and like those things, I i don't have examples right now, but I just want to, I just want to know everything just so it can also help me in the future as well as a future CRNA. I want to know things and make sure that I'm preventing them before they happen. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are going to, you know, all about right to left shuns and left to right shuns and what Yeah. A normal O2 sat would be for certain shuns and all sorts of different. Yeah. That's the pediatric cardiology surgery lecture. I remember being like, oh my gosh, my mind is exploding. Like you're just thinking about the blood flow and how much deoxygenated blood there is and where to take the pulse ox. And it's like a whole thing. So you're going to be very comfortable, very comfortable (laughs) there. So that is good. And even just Yeah. in your peds rotation, like being comfortable, not only just comfortable with uh, like around kids and children, but just also being like weight based dosing, just having like the ability to kind of quickly get get like a ballpark in that sense is, is really huge. So. All right, Vincent, this has been so great. But are there any last words of wisdom or any advice that you want to leave our prospective like new grad ICU nurses with or maybe if you're in your your year as an ICU nurse and maybe you're feeling discouraged, like. I don't know, like, am I doing okay? Or should I, can I even apply to CRNA school? Like I'm feeling like this is really hard. What would you say to those people?
1: I think that just like, again, like overall giving yourself some grace and being patient with yourself. It's like not an overnight process. It takes experience and time to to really develop your skills and to become this well-rounded ICU nurse. I think that having like a growth mindset, being more positive, understanding that this takes time, but I'm like learning, I'm learning from my mistakes and I'm growing and I'm becoming better every single day and and learning to absorb everything and take it all in and know that things are going to be okay at the end of the day really helps you a lot in the ICU. And I think that another thing I like to mention, especially with me, starting in adult ICU and switching to a different specialty, it's okay if you need to switch specialties. Always ask, like seek for help, go to therapy or like ask your educators, like, what can I do? Like I'm in this like predicament and I feel like I'm not doing well. Well, let's identify that. What areas do you think you're not doing well in? And let's talk about that. I think it's good to express your emotions and express what you're going through in order to figure out what is best for you and so like for me going into a different unit i realized that it's okay to make that switch if you feel like you need to and another thing that i think is important i know this question gets asked all the time especially for you sachi what i see is best for CRNA school and i think that it's important not to listen to what everyone is telling you. Like before I picked my actual ICU, I've always wanted to do cardiac impedes. And, and everyone told me you need to do adult medical ICU, you see MODs, multi-organ dysfunction syndrome, you are seeing long term vents. This is the best for ICU. this is best for CRNA school. But I think that the best ICU is whatever you feel comfortable in and whatever like whatever ICU that you think you're going to take a lot from. And in CRNA school, everyone's from different backgrounds and everyone's on the same like level. You, there's a lot of things that you don't know. And I talk to current SRNAs and they're like, I realized I didn't know anything when I started in CRNA school. And I realized, wow, there's so much I don't know. I was like this ICU nurse who was charged and I knew all of these things, but I realized how much I didn't know. And so I think that practicing like humbleness and realizing that it's it's okay. It's okay not to know everything and that you're always learning and you're always progressing to become a better version of yourself and being self aware again and practicing that growth mindset. I know I get scattered a lot. So I'm just like trying to like I don't know, I have so many thoughts, Sati. But yeah, those are my main tips for someone who is starting in the ICU or just feel like they're not progressing in the ICU after a year or so.
0: Yeah. And I think that growth mindset thing is huge. That's one of the things we talk about with our accelerator students. That's one of the things that I've had to learn. It's yeah. Instead of being like, I'm so dumb. I made this mistake. I can't believe I didn't get this. Like, I'm not good at this. It's what can I do better next time? Okay. That didn't go as planned what should I try differently tomorrow? It's switching the lens, switching that, you know, that switch in your mind of, there's a lot of information out there about growth, growth mindset. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's something that is going to take you far in the ICU, far in just life in general, but especially in CRNA school. And that spirit of humbleness and that attitude of I'm always learning, that comes across very clearly in interviews and in essays and, you know, everybody will write on their essay in some way or another that they are a lifelong learner and that's why they want to get their doctorate degree, right? Like that is just, everybody wants to say that. But really what, you know, we are wanting to see more about like deeper into your personality, that humbleness, because it is absolutely true. You hit the nail on the head. I think you have some of these really stellar, you know, I've been a CVICU nurse for however many years, I've done this, I've done that. And you are well-respected on your unit and you are just like, you feel good, right? You're like, I'm one of the top nurses here. And we can't let that get to our head because that will that will come through. And it's true when you start CRNA school, the playing field is leveled. Whether or not you were a, a five-year CVICU nurse or a one-year NICU nurse, you're both walking into a program knowing nothing. And truthfully, as a CRNA, yeah, you might be doing some like open heart cardiac surgeries and stuff, but our patients most of the time are are fairly healthy. And I'll say that give and take, depending on where you work. Some people in rural places will get, you, you don't know what walks through your door. But a lot of the time we're doing, we're taking out gallbladders, right? We're fixing broken bones. Yeah, maybe we get that craniotomy, aneurysm, and yeah, the cardiac surgery, open heart patient. But a lot of the time we're going through these more routine surgeries. I'm not saying that things don't happen because absolutely they do. But you know, in in the anesthesia world, we say it's like 99% routine, the 1% like, oh shit moments where that's where your training kicks in. That's where you're prepared, right? Your A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, plan comes into play. So I think there's this, yeah, big misconception about you need to be in this ICU. That's not true. You need to be a well-rounded applicant. You need to have the right mentality of I'm here to learn. I'm here to just do my best and I'm humble and you're willing to work hard and when you get knocked down you're willing to step you know come back the next day with like enthusiasm and all right you know I I sucked yesterday but I'm gonna have a better clinical day today I'm gonna study a little bit more I'm gonna be more prepared so it's that's that's what people are looking for in the interview they want to see kind of that sentiment that you brought up of I'm here to learn I'm I'm here to become a better practitioner and clinician not this bragging oh I've done this and this and this and I'm just like the bomb, you know, and all of this stuff, like they don't want to see that kind of attitude from people. So you brought up a really good point there, but that was a great to round us out, Vincent. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I feel like we could have kept talking and maybe need to make this a part two, or you should start your own podcast and <laughs> bring your wisdom to everybody. Cause this was fantastic, but thank you. Thank you so much, Vincent. And we will thank be you, sure everyone. to keep following your journey. We'll Where can we find you like on Instagram and you're on YouTube? What if people want to learn more about what everything that you're doing?
1: Yeah. Again, like, thank you so much for bringing me on today. It means a lot. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. I think it's like my dream, (laughs) (laughs) but, (laughs) and like you said, we could have like kept talking. There's just so much to say, but short amount of time. And so I think that, yeah, we should continue this another day. It'll be really fun. But yeah, if, you can always find me on Instagram, Vincent Stone with two N's at the end. But to, is there any way you can like link it mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. There, on the podcast? Okay. And then on my YouTube, it's like the Icy Nurse Next Door. I just like made that up. I just thought it was like I love that. a cute thing. It's good. I love that.
0: <laughs> but, I love that. I'll link those both below. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Thank you so much again. And like, all right. I'm like honored to be here. Yeah. Oh, th-
0: <laughs> thanks, Vincent. This was great.